Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my coins. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got change that to eat. Uh, yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Uh, just lock myself in a procedure room. <laughs> Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on top. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Well, Paul, what a week it's been. It's been a very busy week. Um, what were you up to last Saturday? <laughs> well, last Saturday I had a really exciting day. Um, I was doing commentary at Old Trafford, but I also got to do Lanx TV, so I got to do Pitch Side, which was so much fun. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So it was it was kind of cool because we walked out to the middle to do the first section, and I was like, oh, I was just like looking around. Like, it was the first time I've ever walked out to the middle of like a test cricket ground. And I was like, whoa. Um, so it was really good. Um, so yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it you did really fun. well. Thank you. Um, it was the first time I've done on-camera stuff, which I hadn't really realised. And then I was like, oh, wait, yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was good fun. And it was the most, like, perfect day for cricket. Mm. Like, when you think of the cricket in the summer, like, that is, like, the perfect day. It felt like it was late July, mid-August. So it was a really good day. And, of course, it was Thunder's first win, um, which was really good. Really, really good for Thunder. They went on to get a second win and they lost against the Vipers. Um, but the fact they managed to get two wins under their belt was so important because, um, you know, they were the only team that hadn't got any win in any competition so far. Of course, the Sunrisers haven't got any wins in the Shadows Cup, but they had had that first Rachel and Flint win. So that was something at least. Um, but there was one point actually where um, we were ready to do some pitch side stuff and Sunrisers were warming up and they were doing high catches. And I was very, very close to Denver and the Akuk, and I was like, if you do not catch this ball, that yeah. is going to land on my head. So please catch it. Um, it was fine, she caught it. Um, but yeah, all good fun. Yeah, I mean, Thunder needed that win, those mm. wins, didn't yeah. they? It's been a tough old start mm. to the season for, you know, what's a very talented side. Yeah. Um, so really good to see them uh, get a win on the board. Quite convincing, really. Yeah. And actually, having... Seeing Sunrisers get their very first mm. win in their first game, it hasn't kicked on no. from there at all. There's been no momentum really at all. And again, watching them play at yeah. Old Trafford, it reminded me of watching them play mm. at Worcester was, last year, yeah. and they just seemed lost. It's it's really weird because there are some good players within that team, but they don't. This could be a completely like misjudged comment, but they don't seem that together as a team. Um, and I think that comes with losing. I think that kind of does because either it brings you really close together and you're really motivated or you just get so tired of losing. Mm. And it must be really like frustrating. But at the same time, they're just not playing well. Um, it's really difficult to define what makes a winning team. Yeah. You know, how come Blaze, yeah. for example, just win all the mm. games at the moment? Because they don't look like the most elite team ever yeah you like, put them on paper next to sunrisers yeah there's not there's a not lot of tons of difference i think the thing that i was impressed with with sunrisers on saturday 
was that there were some positive things that they were doing, which at other times we've actually seen nothing positive. So uh, because they knew Old Trafford had quite big boundaries, they were, to be fair, they risked everything. They were taking singles and running two, like quite a lot. And some of it was quite risky, but it put Thunder under pressure. Mm. And there were some like the tiniest misfield, like it, someone would get the ball and it would like slightly pop out their hand and they were like, right, okay, we're running on that, which I thought was really positive. Um, and I think they knew that worked against a team like Thunder because they aren't as sharp in the field as, you know, you say like Southern Vipers, for example. So there were some positives, but I think overall it's just, I don't see where they're going to get that win from because they lost against Western Storm the other day, who were the other team that have struggled. And it's like, I don't think other teams are going to slip up. Like, I know Sparks can slip up, but, like, against the Sunrisers, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Um, similarly with Southeast Stars, they haven't had the best season, but they aren't going to slip up against Sunrisers. So it, it's, yeah. Winning and losing becomes a habit, doesn't it? Exactly. Um, and it seems to me like this season, particularly in the Charles Edwards Cup, mm. Blaze and Northern Diamonds yeah. are just a cut above everyone, aren't they? Yeah, well, Northern Diamonds are excellent. You know, they are getting wins, but they're not by some of them are by big margins. But um, the game at the Oval against the Southeast Stars, where Lizzie Scott hit the four off the, the last yeah. ball, you know, that that was such a close game. And you would say that was in Stars's favour. Um, but Diamonds were able to, and you've got people coming in at number nine, 10, 11 who can hit a four off the last ball. Um, and that's what makes the difference having those players who, like anyone in that team, can step up and win the game for you which I suppose is what Vipers have had the last couple of years. But now we're seeing more teams having those players that can step up and just having anyone in the squad who's able to finish the game for them. Yeah. I want to talk about double headers. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to talk about it. Um, so we went to Old Trafford uh, last Saturday, of course, mm-hmm. you were on commentary. Uh, I paid 25 quid mm. to sit and, and watch that game. Um, now, next Saturday... I'd quite like to go to the final. I'll pay five pounds <laughs> to go and watch yeah. the final, which will be also a double header. But um, with two games of women's cricket. And um so if you're a fan of the men's game, twenty-five pounds is mm. what you pay to go and watch yeah. a Vitality Blast game. So you get the women's game for free. And you get the women's game thrown mm. in for free. If you're a fan of women's cricket, <laughs> instead of paying five pounds, you're paying twenty-five pounds mm. and you get thrown in a game. That you don't want to see, and which I, yeah, I I drove I had to drive you home anyway. Yeah. So, um, it just it doesn't feel equal. No, well, it's interesting because it it doesn't really work because the teams are different. I think that's like the main baseline. Yeah. But then I don't think it works because of the difference between the women's and the men's game. So interestingly, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if we spoke about this on the pod. I wrote a piece about it that. Spurs had announced literally 15 days before the game, we're doing a double header with the men's game first, I think it was against Brentford, and then the women's game um, against Reading. And I was like, okay, cool. But the issue with that is you've got WSL prices compared with Premier League prices, which are so different. So in the end, so like fans were like, well, what's happening? Um, particularly the women's fans, because they're the ones that get the worst of it. Mm-hmm. So the men's fans get a bonus. So it was like, stay in your seat I mean none of them did because the men had, had a horrific loss and everyone went home and everyone was grumpy I mean you should expect that being the first one um but anyway people are like oh you can stay in your seat but then if you just want to see the women's game you have a separate ticket which gets activated at a certain time 
and you can come into the stadium. But then everyone's leaving whilst you're trying to arrive, which seems kind of dangerous. But then also, well, it's not really a double header then if there are two separate tickets. Mm. I think with this case, a similar-ish thing applies because actually people that are only fans of the women's game or only will normally go to women's games suddenly are going to have to pay so much more to see their team, which isn't necessarily very fair. Of course, yes, you get to see the men's game, but you might not want to. And for the men, that's fine. Like, if you're a fan of the men's game, if you don't want to see the women's game, that doesn't matter because it's not charging you anymore. But if you're a fan of the women's game, you don't want to see the men's game, that's costing you, like, 15 more quid, which... So I don't think it quite works with the vit- like the Vitality Blast and the Charlotte Edwards Cup. Works in the 100 because it's the exact same product, it's the exact same team, same marketing. It's just men's and women's cricket. This is complete two different tournaments. You've got, um, I mean, the rules are the same, but there are like extra things with the Vitality Blast that make it this branded thing. Now, interestingly, um, I was at Old Trafford on Thursday as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we went to this event where it was discussing, one of the sections was about the commercialization of the game. And Daniel Kidney, he's a CEO, CEO of Lanks, um, he dropped something in that talk, which I had no idea about. And I don't think many people within women's cricket knew about because we were all very shocked that Vitality have the rights to the Charlotte Edwards Cup, but they've warehoused it, which means that no one else can get the rights to it but they're not willing to activate it and essentially turn it into the same competition. So if they wanted to, I know it's different because of like the counties and regions, but they could essentially create a vitality blast for the regions from what I understand, because they have the rights to it, mm-hmm. but there is absolutely no branding on the Charlotte Edwards cup um, because no one else can get access to it because vitality have like kept it. So that I think is another thing that adds to the double header, because if it was, essentially the same competition then it, it makes it a bit simpler just like the 100 I know it's still different teams but it's the same competition but this is people don't know what the Charlotte Edwards Cup is people don't know who Central Sparks or Southern Vipers are they're like no we support Warwickshire we support Lancashire we support I think Lancashire is very different I think they've done it really well I mean there was a little thing about Lancashire Thunder sneaking in the name that were not um, just sneaking it in they it were was, saying it was yeah. blasted out constantly yeah. on the tannoy and in the commentary yeah. that team was referred mm. to as lancashire thunder yeah um no comment but <laughs> i think it's quite smart um but you say that's the only team that kind of has that same identity the other counties that doesn't really work for which i mean that's a whole separate debate about like, the counties and regions which gives me a headache but i think yeah the double headers aren't working at the moment um and it needs to be looked at because I don't know how many fans there are that are just fans of women's cricket and don't watch men's cricket or like people that have got into cricket through women's cricket and don't watch men's. But the principle is there is fear that you could isolate those people and they're not going to turn up to the game because they're like, oh, well, it's going to cost me 25 quid. Um, which, I, I, yeah, I think kind of needs to be cautiously looked at. I don't know. Yeah, so I think the hundred works well. Yeah, because as you say, the teams are identical mm. for the first half and the second half. Yeah, and also the gap between smaller. the games is smaller, so they've got it off to a tee, haven't they? Yeah. And actually, the game itself is shorter. 
Mm. So it's 20% shorter gain. And so all of that adds up to this package, which kind of yeah. works. Whereas with the with the T20 Blast and the Charlotte Edwards Cup, the products don't match. Mm. The gap between the games is too big. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work. Yeah. I think, especially with, say, Lancashire put the women in the prime spot on Thursday, I think that would have been more successful if that had happened on Saturday, for example. Because with Thursday, Thursday it was like a bit cloudy, it was a lot colder than Saturday. But um, Lancashire men absolutely skittled Leicester for like 99 and chased that down within like 12 overs or something, which meant the gap was even bigger. Yeah. So people aren't going to hang around for even longer because normally the gap's maybe an hour and a half, a bit longer. But this time it was like two hours or maybe even longer. So I suppose that's a problem, but that, I mean, you can't control that because it's cricket, but at the same time, it I don't know, I think need, a bit more needs to be done to really market these doubleheads as well, to be like, come early or stay later mm. because there's the way, and not in a way like, oh, come here early for blah, blah, blah. It's like, get here on time. This is when the game starts. Um, because I think this happens with women's sport a lot and I kind of understand why marketing people do this but it really annoys me when they're like got nothing to do today come watch the women's cricket it's like as if it's your last resort to come and watch women's cricket um or it's our family funder family it's like but that's not like and it'll, it'll be the family fun day and there'll be activities to take people away from the women's cricket and then when the men start they're like oh we're not doing that anymore and it's just yeah I don't know it's a little bit frustrating I think it's, I understand how difficult it is to do because, you know, I am not saying I sit here with the answers. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, perhaps for next year it does need to get looked at a bit because I think the headline looks great, double header with men's and women's cricket, all this stuff. But in reality, it's just not quite working. Mm. Um, and I think that's a shame because I think it is a great opportunity. Um, but as I say, it is quite complex to, to work out. Yes, yes. So I was considering going to see Sunrisers at Northants mm. on Thursday because it's half yeah. term this week. And um, but then I saw that it was double header. Yeah. I'd be paying out another twenty five quid yeah. uh, to go to that now. But if we want to go and see the final, it'll be a five. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so it's it it doesn't economically it doesn't make mm. sense. I think when we went to Lords to see the final, yeah. Rachel, I think it was ten quid or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's not an economic model no. that works for the women's game no. at all. Although I have to say, for Northants, what I really liked about their mm -hmm. marketing is that for people who are in All-Stars or yeah. Dynamos, mm. they could wear their top and get in for free. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was quite nice. Brilliant. Yeah, because yeah. that just encourages, especially when it's during half-term as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about actually kind of links to the regional stuff and it's all about communication uh one of my favorite things which i love when people communicate um things well and it really annoys me when people don't communicate things um so an example this week was with southeast stars and wicket keeping so now we understand that stars's number one wicket keeper kira chatley uh got injured in the warm-up so of course they didn't have another wicket keeper in the traveling squad so they said okay, Alice Capsey's going to wicket keep. Didn't announce this, but it was on the scorecard. And we were like, Alice Capsey, wicket keeper? Like, this is new. Um, and then when Stars went to field, it was Bryony Smith. And we're like, 
oh, okay, Brandy Smith is is uh, wicket keeping. Sure. No explanation from Southeast Stars about this. A couple of inquiries went on, and a statement from Surrey, I believe, said Kira Chatley got injured in the warm up. Um, we were going to put Capsi on, but assessed it. She's carrying an injury and decided it would be better if Bryony Smith was, especially with the Ashes coming up. And I just thought a lot of people had to do a lot to try and get that information. Mm-hmm. Couldn't Southeast Stars just have put that out? Like, I don't see why it's so secretive because it, firstly, it creates a lot of speculation mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make like make it clear because for someone, imagine someone tuning in for the first time. And thinks that now Bryony Smith is like the number one keeper now. I mean, like, she did t- like take catch, and I think she did something. So you never know. Um, but I don't, it's just basic communication. Like I don't think it's actually that hard to put out a tweet being like, "Yeah, this is a situation." I, mean, I don't quite understand why Surrey get involved in it. Because yeah, Southie well, this stars is are not Surrey, yeah, this is the thing because it's like those players aren't contracted to Surrey. They don't like so-called belong to Surrey like if a if a male player was contracted to their county obviously that's different but yeah I, I think that was kind of a bit bizarre that it had to go through Surrey um but then it also leads on to the thing we've spoken about before about injuries of some players have just disappeared so some of those players have been released by regions some of them are actually injured so Hannah Jones I found out on Saturday is injured and the cricketer actually ran an article the other day saying that she's had sold uh, i can't say that word <laughs> <laughs> shoulder. shoulder i always say soldier surgery so <laughs> shoulder surgery <laughs> wow um and so she's been out all season and will miss the rest of the charlotte edwards cup might come back in the rhf but none of that's been communicated so you just think has this player stopped playing cricket? Has there been an argument? Have they been like kicked out of the club? All this stuff. And it just leads to speculation. I mean, I don't think that many people are speculating because in all honesty, I don't know how many people care or are invested enough in women's regional cricket to recognise these things. But like... Well, we are. We are. And that's the thing. If a player's missing from a squad, you want to know why. Like, you don't need to tell me the ins and out of the detail, just saying they're not available for selection because of injury or whatever. Yeah, and, and this is something we've talked about before. And actually, it links to another thing we want to talk about mm. today, which is yeah. Thea Brooks's interview mm. uh, that she did, which yeah. I thought was absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about what happens, how do we communicate mm-hmm. about the status of players? Yeah. So we talked about these players that have just disappeared. Yeah. And there's been no goodbye, there's been no yeah. thank you, nothing put out on social mm-hmm. media. They've just, if they might have brought it up on their own social media, yeah. which it'll have told us. Mm. But if they haven't, we don't know. It's really sad for the players because I don't care how their time at your team ended, whether it was really good terms, whether it was their choice, whether it was your choice. We've spoken about, I think it's really important to honour players for what they've contributed to that team. And so I think to not even acknowledge that they're going, not even put one sentence saying, XXX person has left the squad or their contract's been terminated. None of that, I think, is is really poor. And I think it's quite unfair. And this does lead us on to the, the chat with Thea. So um, Thea spoke to the Storylines podcast, um, which is with Mel Story and Nikki Chowdhury. Um, if you haven't listened to it, it's very good. They, they speak to all sorts of people within women's cricket. Um, but they spoke to Thea about um, her being essentially released from Sparks. Now, there was nothing put out by Sparks to say that she'd gone. Um, Thea put something on her social media, 
but again I'm pretty sure that's a private Instagram account um and she's only spoken now with um Melanie about it and it was really really hard to hear because this is a situation with quite a few players that they haven't got professional contracts or they have most of them it's they haven't got professional contracts and then the team have gone yeah we haven't really got space for you um you're not good enough so um have a nice life essentially and just sends them off into a world where there's not a system to get back into it i think speaking on behalf of the teams Mm -hmm. it's really important they've got the power to do that yeah because actually they need to be refreshing their squad they need to be mm. and certainly at this point in development yeah. of the game you need to be bringing in new players young players yeah. developing players mm-hmm. and that's inevitably you can't keep adding to oh 100 yeah with, without taking away from it i guess what we're talking about here is the communication that mm-hmm. goes to fans and the support that's there for players who yeah. are released maybe where it needs to go to because I don't quite understand the system, no. but it seems that everyone's on a one-year contract permanently, yeah. which gets re- and, and yeah. at some point in the season there's a kind of end-of-year review, mm. and you're told you're fired, yeah. apprentice style, yeah. or you're hired. Yeah, and and I don't think professional people can live that way on no. a hand-to-mouth, year-by-year basis. No. I mean, I think the only other contract, so Lauren Winford Hill signed a three-year one. That's the only one I think I've heard of that's been longer than a year. But most people are on one-year contracts, which is madness. Like, if you think, if if someone's, I mean, I know this is, like, a bit bigger, but if someone wants to get a mortgage, for example, mm-hmm. you can't be on a one-year contract. There's, I mean, just even to live, there's no, like, stability or security. And I know professional sport isn't secure, but offering someone a contract longer than a year is, like, I think that's kind of important. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I know professionalism's in its early development, but then when we speak about looking after players, um, the PCA is called the Professional Cricketers Association because it's exclusively for professional cricketers. So if you're on a pay-to-play contract, you are not part of the PCA. You do not have access to the support of the PCA. So for Thea, when she got released by Sparks, there was no support from any professionals of people that have worked in cricket because it's not like because um, she spoke you know my mental health was a great after it's not like someone just experiencing mental health problems in life it's as a result of something specific in elite sport that's a niche situation that mo- most like you know therapists or whatever won't necessarily know how to speak about but former players will people who sports psychologists they're the people that players need access to and if that's exclusive to professionals who are in the professional game and still have a contract, that's all and good. But what about the people that kind of fall by the wayside? And, you know, there's, there isn't that system yet with the county system to get back into it. And so people are going to need support. Um, I, I think it's really important that cricket gets this right yeah. at this point. Because actually we're, it, it's a new era, isn't it? Yeah. And actually someone like Thea, mm-hmm. like, and I guess we need to declare a personal interest here because... <laughs> You see it coached at your club. Yeah. She's she's been really, really important mm-hmm. in your cricket journey yeah. as well. And, and we think she's amazing. Yeah. Um, but she's like the first mm. of the people to experience this. But yeah. year by year, more it's and more, more people are going to experience this. Yeah. And people who are 
who are coming in and getting those contracts at the moment, maybe some very young players, yeah. are going to fall by the wayside. That's the thing. In the years ahead. Yeah. And it, it's like, of course, it's still not a great situation, but Fia has another job. She's got coaching qualifications, all that sort of thing. But a player who's, say, like 23 now or like 21, maybe they haven't gone to uni or maybe they don't um, have another job or something like that. Actually, where do they turn to after they lose that contract? Absolutely, um, yeah. And I know the PCA do provide some support, but as soon as they lose that contract, they're not going to get support from the PCA. So, you know, when, once everything's going fine, they get support. As soon as it goes downhill, they're not getting support. It's a worry, isn't it? Because there are a lot of young players coming mm. in, you know, who are coming straight from school into yeah. professional cricket, and they're not all going to make it. No. They're getting professional That's the harsh reality now, of it. But, but they're not. You know, we talked about that under-19 squad. Mm. And how from that squad, maybe a couple of them will play for England eventually. Mm. And some of them will play regional, but some of them will just disappear. Yeah. And actually, loads of them have got contracts mm. now. But it doesn't mean to say that's always going to be the case. So I guess the point that I'm making is let's get this right for yeah. the year's generation now. Yeah. So that when subsequent generations go through yeah. it, there's a system in place. That's the thing, because it's, it's not a problem that's going to go away it's just going to keep getting more and more because they're there are going to be you know the, they'll get to a point where the amount of contracts will be fixed and you can't expand that because you can't have you know 30 players for one team sort of thing um and so it will get to the point where players will be told you know you haven't made the cut this year and I think that also relies on the county system getting better but oh, I sounded really weird then getting mm. better um and they're actually being a pathway to get back into these teams because Thea was saying she's played like one day of, um, you know, like proper cricket, so to speak, like county cricket all season. And it's like, if that's the level below regional, then like how on earth, like, how, yeah, how does one get back into this? Especially for young players who actually could have a massive future. People of Thea's generation would have, a, I mean, they've still got a cricket career to have, but there were fewer years, but you think about a 23 year old, whatever, they've still got 10 plus years to give. Um, so it does need to be looked at. And it, it was just really kind of hard to listen to, but I think it, it's quite a big reality that has to be looked at. Yeah. So Thea, friend of the pod, mm -hmm. well done for speaking out. I thought yeah. that was absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And we send you all our love. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know there are great things ahead for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely great things. We haven't really got anything else to chat about before we get on to our guests. The only thing I will say, there have been two lots of penalty runs this week. The first one, uh won't mention uh, <clears throat> Grace Gribbons. Uh, I mean, picking up the glove <laughs> to, take, to take the catch and take off the bells. Um, wow. That ha It happened in the final of the men's the blast, blast yeah. last year, and I didn't know the rule the until, rule, but until every, that happened. You can't not know the rule now. Um, and then I did see there was one in the Vipers game. I think it was Libby Heap that was batting. I didn't see what actually happened, but I think it might have just hit the helmet or something. Okay. But, I mean, it's kind of rare to have penalty runs in two games in a week because mm -hmm. you don't see very often, so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but shall we introduce our guest? Grace Hall. Yeah, we spoke to Grace Hall, who, to be fair, she's had a good run of of going to some pretty cool cricket grounds for her starting her senior career. She has. She's looking like one of the breakout stars mm. 
of this season. Yeah, she had a really good debut at Headingley, so we obviously talk about that. Um, but then one aspect was really exciting to chat about her kind of interest in marketing and that is something we've spoken about tons and about the marketing of the game. So maybe Grace could not only be the secret to Northern Diamonds bowling attack, but also the uh, the marketing of women's cricket in this country. So are you a student, is that right? Yeah, I'm a student. So I'm studying at Sheffield. Mm -hmm. I do journalism, PR and media. So enjoying the the podcast element here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm in Sheffield. But I've just finished. I handed my last assignment in for this year, my second year. Mm -hmm. Um, Start of last week. Yeah. So maybe that's why my laptop's being funny, because... (laughs) I've just had it closed for the last week. Like, I'm done. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, it's a good yeah. feeling. It's a good feeling. The summer stretching ahead with all that cricket to play as well. Yeah, I know. Well, I was getting a little bit stressed when kind of all the assignments were due in at once. But now I've kind of handed them all in and I'm free free until September, really. Um, so on to cricket. What is your cricket yeah. story and how did you first get into it? So my family is very, very cricket orientated especially my dad's side so my dad's played cricket since he was a kid but that's not how I got into it because I kind of got into it through primary school chance to shine came into school um and the coach from there started up a little girls team in York so where I'm from and um I played there for a little bit and he sent me to North Yorkshire trials training kind of situation uh went pretty well for me I started playing boys cricket played most age groups boys cricket starting at like 12 something like that and then I was sent from North Yorkshire stuff to a Yorkshire trial and I started playing Yorkshire county age group at under 13s so I was in the development team there when I started off then worked my way through the ages I started playing men's cricket under 13s and I played men's cricket for a while that was a (laughs) interesting one but yeah um enjoyed playing with my family there and then into the it was Yorkshire Diamonds RDC for a year when I played in it and then the year after that we merged with Northumberland and Durham into the Northern Diamonds um in the academy for the last two years and then in the senior squad this year all very exciting yeah, and, and you're one of a number of very young players who are emerging into that senior squad in Northern Diamonds as well, all, all sort of coming through at the same time. And we've we've spoken previously to Lizzie Scott and uh, Jess Walston as well. Uh, so it's it's really interesting that there's this kind of generation of players coming through who are very young and, and doing really, really well. Yeah, so we all played together. So it's me, Jess, Lizzie... Phoebe and uh, Emma, who played academy for the last two years together and then kind of progressed up, but kind of proves how that system's working really well, especially up up north for us guys anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, I've noticed Northern Diamonds have one of the best setups with players progressing kind of through the system. Um, so kind of speaking of that, you made your debut the other week at Headingley. What was that like? I mean, it, firstly, the game was incredible, but then to make your debut at Headingley, what, what was that all like? Well, what a game to be my first game for starters. <laughs> so cool. I think most of the girls in the team know that I am like the biggest Diamonds fan <laughs> and the biggest women's cricket fan ever. So for me to play at Headingley was one of the coolest things ever. Um, yeah, a crazy experience, a little bit of a whirlwind. I don't think I'm really over it yet. But <laughs> yeah, uh, really cool and really enjoyed the day. I think the build-up to it being a 6 o'clock start or 6.30 start was a bit loud shaky. I was like, oh, I don't know. what am I going to do with myself here? I don't know. When am I supposed to eat? What time do I wake up if we're not playing in the morning? Like, I've never done that before. Um, but yeah, the whole experience has been really cool and everyone's been great about it, like, backed me 100%. And yeah, it's been great. And what was the crowd like? Were there a, a load of people there watching you? Yeah, actually, there was a quite a decent crowd in. It was felt loud I was watching some of the videos back that they post on the Instagram and um you could hear the crowd they were definitely there I think most of them were probably my family because I had about <laughs> 30 tickets or something like that <laughs> so it was maybe it was just them I don't know <laughs> it's, I mean it's a great game so high scoring wasn't it I mean what a total uh that Northern Diamonds put on but actually Western Storm did amazingly well as well yeah um I mean it was a good wicket as well, so it was good, good bit of cricket to to watch, I guess. But I think with our batting lineup, well, when I saw the the team go out, I thought, oh my gosh, who? <laughs> if I was going to ball at this batting lineup, I think I'd be losing my mind. I'd be like, hang on, so we've got Laws and and Dobbo opening the batting, and then you you've still got. Chloe at Chloe Tryon, South African international at, at six or something crazy. Like that. I'm like, what's going on here? But yeah, um, good effort from Western Storm as well. They, they batted really well too. So I think it was a really good game to watch. So talk me through your first, taking your first wicket, uh, which happened in that game. I've had to watch it back, to be honest, because I was in my head, I was like, right, here's the plan. Me and Holly, we've discussed what's going on. I'm going to bowl my slow balls, going to bowl fuller, going to. Do this, that, and the other. We've got the plan. It's all cricket. Um, and um, was she caught? She was caught at deep mid wicket. One, two, three. I don't even. I, it's all a blur. It's so strange. It's so <laughs> strange. Um, I also didn't really celebrate it until Chloe had like ran towards me. I was watching that bit back as well, and it was kind of just a run. It was like I don't think I, maybe I hit my top speed at that point. I don't know. Maybe I should check with the S and C whether that was the fastest I'd. Uh, sprinted that game but I think it was just taking taking every second at the time because I'd taken the catch before then right yeah and I think that kind of then I was like okay I'm in the game I'm ready now ready mm. that until that moment I don't think I'd really processed what was going on but yeah I mean you'd want a South African international under under one of them catches wouldn't you so <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And um, yesterday you played at Edgebaston, so you're kind of just doing all the big grounds at the moment. What was that like with all those kids in? Because I know um, people, from, we're from Birmingham, people from my school, I think they were like year eight or nine, uh, went along and absolutely loved it. So what was that like having such a big crowd full of children? No, I know. 
I mean, what am I doing playing edge fasting anyway? Like, I'm just ticking off these test grounds. <laughs> off I go. It's so strange. Um, yeah, there, I think, was there 1,500 mm-hmm. in or something like that? Mm-hmm. No, and they were very loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really into it. No, it was so cool to have um, the kids in and, like, getting them to a game, especially to a game like that as well, another really good game of cricket as well. So uh, they were loving it. They were all over it with the... I don't know what the is it Sparky or something like that. This is the, <laughs> the bear. <mascot. laughs> the bear was everywhere. <laughs> it sat them like just behind the dugout, so you could hear every like you could hear everything. Fantastic! And have you have been signing autographs and all that sort of thing? Yeah, again, another strange, <laughs> another strange thing. They like balls, bats, shirts. I'm signing all sorts. <laughs> I mean, have you did have you have you did, have you been practicing your autograph previously, or did you have to kind of make it up on the day? No, well, at Headingley, um, we've had a few times when I've been in and around the games, we've had a few of the kind of county age group girls down and asking for my for my signature. So that's kind of been my practice. And, and now I'm now I'm ready. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> of I can sign that for you. Yeah. <laughs> now you're big time. Everyone wants a signature. <laughs> so when you were coming through the pathway, did you have any role models, whether that was within Yorkshire or, you know, worldwide? Yeah, so... Uh, I've always kind of looked up to Laws and uh, Catherine Brunt being at Yorkshire. Um, I actually went to the same secondary school as Laws. She went there. I was going to say quite a bit before me, but I don't think she'll like that. Um, but yeah, we're on like we're on like a little picture um, at my secondary school together, so that's quite cute. So I was looked up to her from that, and then Kate Cross as well. She's a kind of a big a role model for me I think especially she does the media stuff as well so mm-hmm. I think as I've gotten older that's been more of a more of a thing for me uh, she's a Yorkie now as well of course isn't she I know I can't wait <laughs> I'll, I'll be high I'll be like get, sneaking into heading later to be like Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well you never know you you might sneak you might sneak a hundred contract right at the end and uh, and uh, get to be a teammate of her that would be nice wouldn't it yeah, well, you never know. That'd be nice. <laughs> of course, Northern Diamonds had amazing success at the end of the season. Were you at Lords for the final? I was at Lords. So me, Jess, and Lizzie got added to the squad. At, I think it was for the game before that. Uh, I didn't play, so I, I never actually played a game. But then travelled with the squad. I couldn't believe my luck, to be honest. <laughs> when Daddy goes, yeah, yeah, you can, are you um, you coming down to Lords? I was like. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, what what a great day. Um, especially for the girls who'd obviously played a massive part in the season and previous seasons and even like from years building up before that, some of the ones that had been around playing together for that long. Yeah, we were there too. We really, we really enjoyed it. It was a great day. And I remember when the fixture list came out and I, and I saw Rachel Hareflint, you know, last a Sunday in September thinking oh it's going to be pouring down isn't it but it was just a stunningly beautiful day and the cricket was was amazing it all went down to the last ball no it was a perfect day and and I think as like a cricket fan what a great game of cricket to be the final of the competition as well no it was a very very cool day and I'll remember it forever even though I wasn't even playing (laughs) 
well, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities because Northern Diamonds are kind of flying at the moment, yeah. certainly in the Charlotte Edwards Cup, two from two. Um, so what are kind of your future cricket plans and what do you want to achieve within cricket? Within cricket? So, right, here we go. <laughs> Obviously, I want to try and get a professional contract and be full-time at Diamonds. Um, we've been at uni at the minute and balancing the two has it's been good, but it, it's not the easiest thing in the world. I think I found myself kind of juggling a little bit so ideal situation is a, a contract but then uh trying to get myself into the 100 I think that's probably at the minute one of the the biggest goals in the next couple of years trying to get myself in the um short format cricket's kind of where I seem to be like heading almost trying to work on my skills for 50 other stuff but yeah that would be really good uh but I also want to keep doing my media stuff in and around the the cricket so I've been getting the girls to put the little mini mics on and getting the nets. I'm like, right, I'm making a TikTok of this, get in here. Um, just trying to pick up little bits and keep myself going with that because I've still got another year left of, of my degree. So I want to see where that takes me to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It seems to me there are loads of opportunities as well, aren't there? So you mentioned Kate Cross, but, you know, Alex Hartley is someone now who's kind of transitioning, isn't she, from being a, a professional cricketer into being a professional journalist. Um, it, I, and so you can see how that can easily be done or even in the PR side of things as well you know just that whole marketing stuff for cricket we need really good people I think because it's quite a key uh, moment for the women's game so it seems to me that what you're studying and you know the industry of, of cricket you're going into are, are kind of very compatible aren't they? Yeah it links really well and I find that um, I learn stuff in my lectures that I can I can bring across to cricket and talk to the girls about and be like I think we should maybe look into doing a little bit of this and I vlogged the whole of the um pre-season tour in Desert Springs that sort of thing just uh getting my camera everywhere I go and it's great practice for me but also in the long run uh it'd be great for for the diamonds and for women's cricket hopefully no definitely because I've noticed like doing a bit of stuff in women's football that there's so much marketing and that just doesn't exist in women's cricket like certainly at the domestic level um to the same extent for so many reasons but yeah if you do get people making little videos things like that like that goes such a long way and that that gets people interested so no it's fantastic yeah I mean I tried to kind of film the bits that I know that I would have loved to see like last year, the year before, to be fair, still now, <laughs> that I would have loved to see, like, kind of on Instagram, on TikTok, for example. Um, yeah, and, and just keep building on it and get get women's cricket as much as it's as growing, but get it out there even more. Why not? Get it everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me it's it's storytelling, isn't it? And so you're someone on the inside who's got some great stories to tell you know, about this product, about this game, about the, the team that you're part of and that sort of thing. So it's it's almost like with your studies, you've got this great context for for, for how to kind of get your story out there. Uh, so I think that's, you could end up producing some really interesting things. So if I was, if I was uh, one of the people in charge of Northern Diamonds, I'd be saying to you, I want you to, want you to produce some stuff <laughs> we, and we'll, we'll put it out there. So if yeah, we're working podcasts. on it. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon, hopefully. <laughs> That'd be great. Grace, thank you for your time. It's great to speak to you. Really, really good. Can we wish you all the best for the rest of the season? Thank and you we, so much. We'll be looking out for that 100 contract. If we meet anyone important, we'll mention <laughs> your name to them. Thank you. Yeah, we never do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much. 
Yeah, I always love chatting to the Northern Diamonds players. I think if you're just from the North, you're a nice person. <laughs> Essentially, that is yeah, true. Yeah, yes. life motto. Um, but yeah, and they've got so many good young players. I know, they have got such a strong... I mean, I think like Abby Glenn as well, Leah Dobson. Leah Dobson's been incredible this season. Um, she's really stepped up with the bats. They've got like this wealth of players that have come from the academy kind of at the perfect time into the senior squad where a couple of players have retired, a couple of players have left. Um, but to be doing so well as a team already, I think it helps that a lot of them have like kind of grown up playing together or played in the academy. So they're quite strong as a team. Um, but I mean, as an entire squad, they haven't played tons of cricket together, but they just they just seem to get on so well and gel and I don't know, they're just playing so well. Those things don't happen by accident. No. You know, and I think in Yorkshire generally you've got mm. this strong culture. Yeah. It's not just Yorkshire, remember. <laughs> I think you'll find Durham and Northumberland as well. Yeah, but in my preferred county. That, <laughs> <laughs> but there is a strong cricket mm -hmm. culture there. Yeah, 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 and that that comes through. Um, so I think that is all for today. This yeah. time next week, we'll be all set for the Charlotte Edwards Cup final. We will. So we'll do a little bit of a bit of a preview then. Um, two weeks till I finish A levels. Oh, so excited! How are they going so far, Polly? Um, oh, have we spoken? I haven't. Have we done an episode since I had them? Yeah, yeah, we must have done last week. Last week, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't had any since because it's been half term. So just been getting on with more revision. But I've got three next week, mm -hmm. and then after that, I've got two left. So yeah, been busy, but it's all right. Two weeks left, and. And then it's all over. Oh but actually, today was a, a pivotal day, it felt like, in the summer because it was the first test of the summer. Um, so that feeling of when you listen to the TMS music for the mm. first time, it's just the best feeling. And you hear all, all the TMS team from Lords, and, oh, there's just there's nothing quite as perfect. So I did really enjoy that. Um, and there was a bit of chat about the Women's Ashes as well when... Um, Alex Hartley and Ishigu were on so that was nice to listen to so um, yeah it's all very exciting I mean we didn't mention beforehand uh, about Meg Lamming being missing I'm currently working on a write-up for supporting her about that mm -hmm. um, but of course a massive miss for Sig Australia significant because um, yeah. you know not only the captaincy but also the batting um, I think it's also kind of a shame for the players because as much as like you don't want to have to come up against such difficult opposition, you kind of thrive on that. And if you can beat the Aussies at their best, that's um, that's kind of the dream, really. Yes, yes, the Ashes will be upon us before we know it. Exactly. Um, but we'll be back next week talking uh, about horticulture. <laughs> is that the right word? That is a good word. That is, that is word. A good Agriculture, word. horticulture, um, all things grass. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got a cow on <laughs> um, but anyway in the meantime uh, you can follow us on social media so our Instagram and our TikTok is Naughty Child Podcast and our Twitter is OO Child Podcast